0: Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.
1: Hey, North Texas food fans. Welcome to Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News. Each week, we dish on the local restaurant scene, food and drink trends, cooking and shopping tips, and unpack everything that makes North Texas one of the most vibrant, diverse, and ambitious food scenes in the country. I'm your host, food editor, Erin Bookie, and this week we're diving into our listener feedback and tips about pizza, sushi, and dinner hacks. Will we read your email? Maybe so. We're also gearing up for the state fair and sharing the latest news about local restaurants, including how one iconic chain is fighting a lawsuit from its workers. It all gets started right after this.
0: Central Market is really into food, like fish flown in so fresh it still has jet lag into food. Our sourdough starter has been around since grunge was a thing into food. We're talking more prime cuts than a greatest hits album into food. Central Market is really into food. If you are too, then we're the HQ for you. Whether you're a make-every-recipe-in-the-cookbook-foodie or a my-favorite-recipe-is-reheat type who just digs the delectable, no place makes every day more delicious like Central Market. Really into food. Shop now at centralmarket.com.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Be sure to go to dallasnews.com slash food for information on our show and all the latest restaurant news. And don't forget to tell us what you think at at dallasnews.com. And if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends about it or leave us a good review. Later on, we'll be reading some emails from you, our listeners. But first, we're discussing the latest restaurant news with reporters Sarah Blaskovich and Amelda Garcia and our producer, Julie Fisk. Sarah, there were some cool new restaurants that just recently opened. Can you tell us about them? Yes, I'd like to start with a quote unquote new restaurant, Gemma.
2: Which is not new. Right. As we all know, it's been around 10 years on Henderson Avenue, but they closed for two weeks, redesigned the space and their menu, and reopened late last week. And Gemma, as we know it, is different now. Let me tell you, I loved Gemma, Mm -hmm, the original Gemma. It's still the same owners, still in the exact same space on Henderson Avenue, but they wanted to be a little bit more casual, a little bit more of a bistro. So they've added a frites section, which is fries and a protein. So steak frites, duck frites. Chicken frites, mussels frites, and they are yummy.
1: (laughs) Can you say frites again? (laughs)
2: Just yummy comfort food. What they realized is that East Dallas, that section of East Dallas has changed quite a bit. And immediately in that part of East Dallas, almost none of the restaurants that used to be there are still there. And there's kind of this reinvention going on. And so as they came out of COVID, they realized there are some things that they can and should change about their restaurant to make it even more beloved in the neighborhood. And I think this is really smart of them because people already liked Gemma, but it felt like a date spot or maybe a birthday spot spot. Some people went there for their anniversary. It was not as expensive as many of the other restaurants in town, but it did feel a little bit elevated. And what they're coming back with with Gemma 2.0 is this place is a little bit more casual. Come whenever you want on a weekday. They're eventually going to be open seven nights a week, dinner only. Then they redesigned the space just to feel a little bit warmer. It now has like emerald green walls and mustard colored booths. It's just cozy and comfortable.
3: Why are frites so much better than fries? Because they are.
2: Yeah, it's just that extra tea in there. You know, that really <laughs>
3: is that. No, I mean, they,
2: frites or fries? Same, same. I think they're because they're skinnier.
3: I mean, these are fries. They're not different than fries. But since they're smaller, you can fit more in your mouth at once.
2: Yeah, free reign to pick up several and give it a dunk in whatever, if you're a ketchup person or if you're a jus person or some people are mayo with their frites. Yes.
1: Whoa. Yeah. More food in face. I think this is interesting too, that they're going from kind of more elevated to more casual because ever since the pandemic pseudo ended, there's been a boom of just the super fancy expensive, swanky places. Great point.
2: Yes, there are more ways than ever to spend tons of your money at Dallas restaurants. And I do think a lot of us eat in restaurants so much more than we used to. It is very much a culture of this town. It's something that I love. But sure, we can't eat at Mr. Charles every night.
1: (laughs) Yes, no, I cannot.
2: (laughs) Or ever, if you're me. I think that people who are listening to this who loved Gemma before will find many things to love about new Gemma. Exactly. And I love that all of this happened in only two weeks. So I asked them about that. They were their own general contractors. So they didn't have mm-hmm. like a whole team come in. They hired the guy who did the tile and painting and, and they didn't move any of the bones of the place. But they did do some fairly large cosmetic changes to make it look different on the inside. And amazingly, they did it inside of two weeks.
1: I mean, that is unheard of. Yeah. And Imelda, speaking of more casual spots, you wrote
4: about a favorite diner. Yeah, Jonathan's opened their second location in North Dallas, right in the corner in Dallas, North Tollway and Forest Lane. And let me tell you guys, the place is great. They have lots of natural light and all these cafe vibes. But they have great food and they have cocktails and wine, just in case you want to be like, a little more happy at lunch. And the owners, they are a team. Chef Jonathan and manager Christine Erdeljak. they opened their first restaurant 12 years ago in Oakleaf. Then they opened Jonathan's Diner, but in 2021, they closed their flagship restaurant. But by then, fortunately, they were working on this place in Forestwood. They were working there for 25 months to get the place ready. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Nothing like two weeks, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't tell 20, them about Gemma. <laughs> yeah. 25 months, but it's open now. And they only serve breakfast and lunch from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. So you can find their pancakes and waffles and eggs. But also they have soups and salads and cocktails like mimosas. I love mimosas.
1: I love diners and We've had so many close over the last 10 years. This is great to see one expanding.
2: I do think breakfast specifically seems like a tough business because it's inexpensive food. You know, there's not a lot lot of reason to pay high dollar for diner food. Man, I really hope that they can make it in that location because people have been waiting on Jonathan's Diner to open in far north Dallas for a really long time.
1: And especially with most restaurants only open for dinner, like Gemma is a dinner spot. This place offers a place you can go for lunch and also have a cocktail. Yeah. I want my chicken and waffles with a cocktail.
2: Yeah. Mimosa, it has OJ in it. That's vitamin D. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) That's a breakfast drink. And Sarah, what about another new restaurant you just wrote about?
2: Yeah. So we're going to hit three new spots. Gemma, Jonathan's, which are two not new spots that are new because they've either been reinvented or opened a new restaurant. But number three, Greenpoint Seafood and Oyster Bar really is a new restaurant. Every year I make a list of the most exciting restaurants opening in the next calendar year. And so Greenpoint was one of the places that I said was one of the most exciting restaurants opening in 2023. This is on Knox Street in the bottom of the Weir's building, and there's a lot there. There's Mr. Charles, which we've already talked about. There's Pizzana, which we've talked about in the past. That is the Sprinkles Cupcake co-founder Candace Nelson, who opened a pizza joint first in L.A., and then they opened it in Dallas on Knox Street. And then there's Greenpoint right next to it. Um, There's a village baking company, I think, somewhere in there, too. You know, four really cool places within a 30-second stroll down Knox. That's cool. Um, Greenpoint comes from the owner of Beverly's Great Little Bistro on Fitzhugh. He also owns Clifton Club, a great little cocktail bar on Fitzhugh. And then this guy, Greg Katz, opened Greenpoint with his brother, Nick Katz. And the two of them have this really interesting story. They were born and partly raised in Cape Town, South Africa. They moved to Dallas where they were then raised for the rest of it. They both have been in restaurants for a long time. Nick most recently worked at the Adolphus and Greg, of course, owns Beverly's and has worked at a lot of other restaurants around town. Is the first time that they've opened a restaurant together and in our story which you can find on dallasnews.com slash food they say that they've been wanting to do this their whole
1: life. I loved that story and it was so sweet how they have a really tight relationship. Yeah, they do. And how they incorporated all of those South African Cape Town flavors like the lychee into the menu but in new and exciting ways like as a vinaigrette for the ceviche. So it's like exciting food that also has meaning. We actually interviewed Greg Katz on the podcast. Yeah. So that came out December
3: 15th of 2022. So, one other thing about Greenpoint, it is more
2: casual than some of the places on the block, which is important and feels like the kind of place where you can stop in even for just an appetizer. I really like their bar. There's a 22 seat horseshoe shaped bar where I could see myself alone or with a friend, glass of white wine, some oysters or a crudo, or they have these little fried grouper sandwiches that are like the size of a slider with coleslaw on them, you know, just a couple little bites. You could certainly go for a date night or with a bigger group for lunch or for dinner. You could go with business colleagues. It could be a great lunch spot, I think. But also, you know, you could pop in by yourself just because you're shopping in the neighborhood and would like a glass of wine because it's Saturday afternoon. Yay for more casual lunch spots. Yes. And speaking of that, Erin, I spent the last couple of months actually researching business lunch places. Mm -hmm. And you can find a story on DallasNews.com slash food where I, listed 21 great business lunch spots. I will say Greenpoint is not on it because it wasn't open when I published it last week. But anybody who's looking for a great place to take a colleague, I think it's kind of hard to find the right lunch spot someplace that's impressive, but maybe not too expensive. If you're taking into consideration how your business colleague or friend likes to eat, you know, that might mean that you're eating this cuisine or that cuisine, or you're looking for this price point or that price point. And hopefully that list of 21 just has a lot of options for people, whether they're paying with a company card or they're looking for a healthy salad. And we really tried to hit all of DFW in areas that are close to a business district. So we even got a couple up in the Plano Frisco, the colony area, because there are a lot of company headquarters up there. We've got a couple in Fort Worth. We've got some in downtown Dallas. So if you're passionate about lunch, like I am, (laughs) lunch (laughs) is one of my favorite topics. Uh, I hope you guys will read that story. And I'd love to hear um, places I missed or places that you love.
1: Imelda, you had a different kind of story this past week about Gloria's restaurant chain being sued by one of its former workers. And Gloria's, I think that they have like 23 restaurants across Texas now. Man, they're black bean dip. Yes. If
2: you're not, if you're listening and nodding out there in the world, I'm so with you, but you can get it stuck in your teeth. That's not good. You got to check the mirror before you go back to work after you go to Gloria's because there can be black bean dip in your teeth.
4: That's a once a month spot for us, for our family. This lawsuit involves Gloria's cuisine in Las Colinas only. Okay. But they are looking for it to be a class action mm-hmm. that protects all the servers of all Glorias in Texas. So this former server uh, sued Glorias, accusing them that she was doing non-tip work, like, for example, sweeping or cleaning bathrooms, but she was earning only their server wage of two thirteen per hour. So the minimum wage in Texas is seven twenty five, right? But for servers, there's this tip credit mechanism that restaurants use to pay their servers two thirteen dollars per hour so they can earn more money from tips. But if they are away from customers, they cannot like earning these tips. The lawsuit also says that the servers had to pay for uniforms, for pens, and other things in order to get to work. Also that there was a tip pool, so the servers didn't get all the tips. It sounds to
2: me like... Just as an example, if she were to work five hours, but she wasn't with tables for all those five hours, she might make five hours times 213 per hour, which is a little over 10 bucks. And then if she didn't make any tips or enough tips on top of that, she could work hours and go home with a little over 10 dollars.
1: So the law is that restaurants and places like this that hire tipped workers, they can use something called a tip credit. That basically says if your worker who earns two thirteen dollars an hour, if they do not earn enough in tips to make that seven twenty five dollars an hour, the restaurant has to make it up and the restaurant has to pay them at least $7.25 per hour. Okay. And I think what this worker is saying is that the restaurant didn't do that either. So not only were they pulling her away from tipped work, They also weren't making up her wages. And so what is she asking for?
4: She's asking to be paid the difference, but most importantly, they are asking to be a class action suit. So they will involve like every server in the 23 restaurants of Gloria's. So that will be huge. As we all should know by now, the State Fair of Texas starts
1: tomorrow, September 29th. Yay! It's basically the Christmas of the Dallas food world and all of us, plus maybe I think maybe 10 more people are coming with just us. a couple, <laughs> just a couple more people will be on the fairgrounds tracking down and tasting the 10 big text finalists. And Sarah, this is kind of your thing. It's one of my favorite
2: work days because it is work and it's usually hot and there's tons and tons of walking and a lot of eating. But gosh, it is so fun to get to try all 10 foods together. And we have made it a podcast centric event now. Mm -hmm. So you will hear us crunching and passing. And I usually wear a disposable fork behind my ear (laughs) so that I don't use 10 different forks. That's not good for the earth and we're in bad shape already. So I feel like the mother hen of the food tasting. I it so much and i love everybody's comments and what we do with that guys is we rank them so we will give the total price value of what we paid for all 10 of these foods probably don't do that right a calories b money three time So we're going to try all 10 for you and rank them. And should you want to go in order of our list, buy one or two, buy five if you want. Right. But maybe don't buy all 10. We'll do that for you.
1: I also think one of the biggest parts of this public service is that we track down where these things are. Public service. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for validating it. I love it. (laughs) Because finding these things, I think, has been the most difficult part, because honestly, the the fair is kind of confusing to me, too. Like if you don't know specifically what you're looking for, it can be really overwhelming.
3: Last year, I. Still, never found the deep-fried collard greens, and my husband and I spent a good hour walking around the fairgrounds looking for them, and I could never find them.
2: I'll help you find them this year. Thank I, you. I got like a laser focus on that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Tent. I really <laughs> like those deep-fried collard greens. <laughs> it is Amelda's first time. Yes.
4: Tasting oh, state fair food. That's is. Right. I'm excited. Yeah. And I
2: just, <laughs> if I can offer some tips. Wear comfortable (laughs) shoes and hydrate beforehand.
1: Okay. I often wear stretchy pants. That's all next week. Up next, though, we'll be reading your emails right after this. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you all so much for emailing us with your thoughts over the last few weeks. And now we're going to share a bunch of your feedback. One of the biggest things that Sarah recently wrote about was about DFW restaurants that were mentioned in a Washington Post article about pizza styles.
2: This national story was cool because there were quite a few DFW spots on it. Now, it focused on Detroit-style pizza joints and New York-style pizza joints and Chicago-style pizza joints. There were many different varieties it was looking for. And it named 11 restaurants in DFW serving these specific pizza styles. Sort of shocking because we've had the argument on this podcast whether Dallas is a pizza town. Mm-hmm. And 11 is no small number no. for a metro area in a story written by a national publication. Yeah. Right Now, an argument we love to have is what is not on a list. <laughs> so I did ask our readers and Jolene had some ideas. She says, quote, I haven't tried half the pizza places on the list, but I agree about Louie's. And my favorite is Pie Tap. OMG, the best tasting crust, and they make rolls out of the pizza crust too. So from Jolene, point for Pie Tap, which was not on the list. Point for Louie's on Henderson Avenue, which is long talked about as one of Dallas's best pizza places.
1: In an email from Vicky Tyler, she writes, they definitely miss the best one in Fort Worth. Go visit Pizza Verde off Camp Bowie. It's vegan, but tastes better than non-vegan. And they make their own cheese. She says she's not a vegan, but she never misses going there when she's in Fort Worth every few months.
4: I
2: feel challenged to eat there. I have not had Pizza Verde's pizza, but I am absolutely interested in trying vegan cheese on a pizza. So
3: she said it's better than regular pizza? Yes. And that she's not a vegan?
1: Yes. Both. Wow.
3: High praise. Very high praise. I really really love
2: cheese, but um, I think that we should take Vicky up on her suggestion.
1: And then Richard emailed us and said, I like pizza to a fault. And my very favorite in the Dallas area is Industrial Pizza and Brew in Richardson Heights at Beltline in Central. The recipes are inventive and delicious. Even my wife, who is usually not a pizza fan, has a couple of industrial pies she likes. Another
3: vote for industrial. I actually stopped there almost once a week during the school year. Wow. When I had to pick my daughter up late, we'll get a pepperoni pizza and a nuts and bolts salad. And they have these really good meatballs. So yay, industrial. I love this. And I had never heard of industrial. I'm so ashamed to say.
2: And so I looked it up and I was chuckling as you were reading, Aaron, that God bless his wife, who's usually not a pizza fan. I'm like, I don't even know how that happens to yeah, not be a pizza fan. Um, the industrial. So like the pizza for industrial, you'd think sounds really good. Pork belly, jalapeno jam rosemary, mozzarella, goat cheese, roasted fig sauce. yeah hey. oh A wow. lot of stuff, you guys. Yeah, I need to get one of those this week. So next time you're going to the industrial, Julie, invite me, but I'm going to ask if we switch your pepperoni pizza for this industrial pizza, please. We'll,
3: we'll just get two. Okay.
2: <laughs> it will get eaten. There's one called the wrecking ball, too, which has brisket meatballs, garlic, basil, mozzarella, Romano, and marinara, and Now I'm picturing Miley Cyrus swinging on a brisket Uh meatball. (laughs) And I just, if that's not what they meant by it. She came
3: in like a brisket ball. (laughs) That's the Texas version of that story. Yes. Yes. Yes.
4: Emel, do you want to read this email from Morris? He did not leave his last name. So Morris wrote, as a pizza fan, I have a few recommendations for you to consider. Napolitan style in order of best to almost as great. Wow. Mr. O-1 Pizza in Toro Creek Village, Pizzeria Testa on Greenville Avenue, and Olivella's in UP, and one Style Pizza. I'm talking about Skiano's Pizza on Riner Road in Richardson. If you go, I recommend to try Eddie's Manso Pizza, which is a unique and yummy pie. Tell Eddie I say hello. Hi, Eddie.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hi, Eddie. I love that our listeners are such regulars at places because I hear this a lot. Speaking of who got left off this list, Allison
2: is salty that Greenville Avenue Pizza Company and Partinope weren't included on the Washington Post's list. And I agree with her. Partinope especially serves some of the best pizza, certainly in the region. And Allison says those along with Cane Rosso are best in Dallas, in my opinion. Agree.
1: And Bill Mosley wrote in saying, no way should Motor City be on there and Thunderbird not. Not even a close comparison when it comes to Detroit-style Sicilian pizza.
2: Ooh, a little bit of marinara thrown there. I know. Can I just speak up for Motor City in Louisville since Bill will not? (laughs) I judged a pizza competition recently there and it was a really good Detroit-style pizza. If you're up in the Louisville area, I like it.
1: So we've covered pizza, but we also asked our listeners to tell us about their favorite sushi places. There's been a little mini boom of more affordable sushi spots opening up lately, and these neighborhood spots don't require reservations like a year in advance. So Deborah, <laughs> so Deborah Asty says that Sushi Robata is the best casual neighborhood spot. She writes, I can't say many places have gotten better since COVID, but this place did. I don't know if they got new owners or a new chef, but they are consistently great for traditional style sushi. They also have a large, solid list of sake some can get expensive but overall they are one of the better priced place for bottles most of the listeners that emailed us really seem to like sushi but i did get one email from barbara swearinga that just said i don't understand what the draw is for cold rice and raw fish
2: oh barbara oh no (laughs) you hate to tell her though it's been around a long time
1: sarah you want to read the email from ted brule Yes, I think some
2: of the people commenting here were missing Utaka, which was an uptown Dallas sushi restaurant that closed a couple of weeks ago. It's already been replaced by another sushi restaurant, but not by Chef Utaka himself. Right. But Ted says. My go-to is no hidden secret, but I think it's the best in Dallas. It's the original Oishi on Wycliffe. We've been going regularly so many years that it's become my cheers, where many know my name. I've never had a bad meal there. I'll second Oishi and say that there's one on SMU Boulevard closer to my house, too, and that place is always slammed. Mm -hmm. I will also say, as a mother of two little kids, this is not a place where they want you to bring your children. No, they don't.
1: Okay. But
2: the food's real good.
1: And then an email from Francis Momolo from Frisco. She wrote that Kinzo and Frisco is amazing. Yeah. It is small, so reservations are recommended. The food is outstanding and the service is the best. I really appreciate the great service since that is not something a single woman diner always experiences. Huh. I kind of want to ask her a lot more questions about that. I hate to hear that a single woman
2: doesn't get good service at a restaurant. What do we think that's about? I don't know. It's about being invisible.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Especially if you're over a certain age.
3: Yeah. I've had this issue.
1: Amelda, you want
4: to read the email from Lori Klein? Lori Klein wrote, we've been going to Simon's Sushi in Plano almost since they have been open, since our kids were little. (laughs) We didn't know we were creating little sushi monsters. Whoops. <laughs> you all can know, but don't tell anyone about this place. Oh, it's oh, too late uh-oh. for that. I don't think we were supposed to read this one. <laughs> they have a very loyal local following and we don't need it getting any more crowded. I mean, it's too late. Thank you, Amelda. One of our
1: personal favorite episodes has been on the dinner hacks and what we keep in our freezer. Because honestly, that is what we need the
4: most sometimes. And we got some great tips from you all. Andy Morgan said, my dinner hack is doubling recipes. We have a deep freeze, so I frequently double what I'm already taking the time to make and put half in the freezer. That's very smart, guys. My trouble
2: is that when there's stuff in the freezer, you have to have the foresight to take it out. Yeah. To defrost it. We are afternoon deciders for dinner that night, as we've already established on this podcast. So even if I had a shepherd's pie or homemade mac and cheese in my freezer, like Andy Morgan does, you need like 24 hours notice. Yeah. Now this is not that hard for most people. I'm just saying it's hard for us.
3: My problem is not knowing what it is. It's like, well, there's a clear glass container of something orange. This could be soup. This could be a casserole. I'm really not sure. You're not a labeler? No. No. That's my problem. (laughs) I think that's a
1: problem. I think there are entire Instagram accounts dedicated to how to label your freezer stuff. I am not that organized either. I do carry a Sharpie. There's one right by the refrigerator. So the intention is there. (laughs) But I have never used it. It's the follow through. You know,
2: for being a bad freezer person, we do label our stuff because my seven-year-old likes to be the labeler. Oh. So, like, our freezer is kind of full of, like, things written in seven-year-old handwriting, which is adorable. That is adorable. But it doesn't make us eat it anymore.
1: (laughs) Anyway, Andy, you're an inspiration. Sarah, do you want to read the email from Philip Musfelt? Philip says, we have a garage freezer
2: and I have a large backyard garden. We have a year's worth of of purple hull peas, I love those, and several forms of tomatoes and pasta sauce. We also have lots of bread as we only make an occasional trip to Central Market. We also seem to have a lot of meat, but that is because I am retired Air Force and we stuck up on meat during our quarterly trip to the commissary at JRB Carswell. Philip, you seem set for the next disaster. I'm not joking about that either. That seems nice. We're not set for the next disaster, as we all know.
1: I think another couple who is probably set for life is Alfonso Savola and Kim Pierce. This couple, they are friends of the pod. Kim was a longtime food writer here for the Dallas Morning News, and her partner Alfonso is a local wine expert, and he's also Italian. So he sent me the list of what they have cataloged in their freezer. It was like 35 items. Wow. (laughs) Um, And it was lots of Italian staples like mushroom stock, pesto, ravioli, kale hot pate, and what? Yum. tons of cheeses. They just have everything labeled. And here's what he had to say about it. When the pandemic hit, I decided to clean out our freezer. I then decided to keep a list of what I put in there, dated, so as not to waste any food or effort or money. I set up a spreadsheet. It worked really well, especially with the dates listed. Who knew we had a vertical of pesto going back to 2013?
2: <laughs> wow. Even climate change happened. I know. The use of the word vertical, too,
1: is so good. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Now a lot of the stuff in our freezer is waiting for cooler days, resulting from upcycling mainly produce that was not cosmetically pretty, but still was okay to eat. And then they sent us their entire list. But I love that they're very focused on not wasting anything. That's very aspirational to me. Like I would love to get to that point in my life. But I need to
3: see this freezer because this is like where you hide the body size freezer to fit this much stuff in it.
1: Yeah. Probably. And if there's yeah. a body
2: in there, there's just not a lot of room for others. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Do I listen to too many
1: murder podcasts? Thank you all so much for sharing your thoughts and tips with us. We love to get your emails and we love to share them too. So please continue to email us with your ideas at eatdrink at DallasNews.com. And don't forget, next week we will be out at the State Fair tasting the top yes. 10 foods. Howdy folks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all the time we have for Eat Drink DFW this week. Thank you all for joining, and I hope we've made you hungry for more. We also want to hear from you, so share your food thoughts, favorite restaurants, or tasty recipes with us at dallasnews.com. The show is produced by Julie Fisk. To stay up to date on every episode of this show and hear more from our newsroom, just follow the Dallas Morning News wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate the show and give us a good review. Find links to everything we do at dallasnews.com slash listen. you also find a special membership offer there just for listeners. For the news, I'm Erin Bookie. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.
0: Eat, Drink, DFW from the Dallas Morning News is made possible by Central Market.